0: Welcome to episode 12 of the Untethered podcast. It happens to be National Breastfeeding Month. And so today I bring you another IBCLC RN, Lisa Paladino. She is a nurse midwife and lactation consultant in New York with over 30 years of experience in women's health care. She practices integrative functional women's health care, concentrating on hormonal concerns such as PCOS, infertility, and hypothyroidism. Her lactation practice has become concentrated on the subject of tongue and lip tie. She consults and lectures on this topic for other professionals. Her course, A Parent's Guide for Tots, is designed for families of breastfeeding infants to navigate the process of treatment of lip and tongue tie. She is the author of the book, It Shouldn't Hurt to Nurse Your Baby, available on Amazon. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider.
1: Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Hallie. I love what you're doing with this podcast. It's wonderful. Oh, it's, been, uh, it's been a blast. I've
0: been really enjoying it. Um, so, you know, I know that you being an IBCLC and me being a speech pathologist, obviously we're in two different professions, but we sometimes see the same clientele because I work with infants um, with feeding therapy. So let's start with talking about the team approach um, for care for when we get the breastfeeding families.
1: Perfect. So I think it's imperative for for any providers who work with babies to realize the other make a network and realize who's in their area that they can collaborate with um, and learn what the different um, the different job descriptions, so to speak, are Mm -hmm. of the other providers so that, you know, What's, what's your lane, what's their lane where you can collaborate and when you should refer, because there are, you know, there are babies that we alone can't help. Um, there are other modalities that are needed and we should be open to that. So in my, in my area, um, it took me a long time to realize that an SLP had anything to do with babies, Hmm. you know? be completely honest when I worked in the hospital and I worked in the hospital for for 28 years um anytime we had like a NICU if I was called to the NICU to help a mom breastfeed and something wasn't right we would call the feeding um for a feeding evaluation or suck and swallow evaluation Mm -hmm. and that particular person that would come always used a bottle and did not know how to evaluate breastfeeding at all. So I had like a a little bit of a bad taste, I have to admit, a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth about what an SLP did or what a feeding therapist was. I had no idea that there were SLPs that understood breastfeeding and that valued breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a few years, I have met in my area someone, um, a couple of people, but one in particular who's taken all the courses I've taken, which is great. Multidisciplinary learning is fantastic. Not all the courses, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. She's taking a deep dive into learning about tongue tie and oral restrictions and myofunctional therapy and understanding what's going on. And she's understanding the importance of breastfeeding, which she wasn't really taught in her training in school.
2: Right.
1: So the same way, none of us learned about tongue tie efficiently.
2: Right. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> that in now I know that if I get to a certain point or if there's something I'm assessing in a baby that doesn't feel like the typical issue or the typical concern, or if I can't get a baby to latch, I either I either consult with her or refer to her to evaluate that same baby. And when we both see the same baby and we can talk about what we see and explain that to the parents and come up with a plan together, you know, it's really, it's a benefit for everyone. It's a benefit for that baby and that, and the parents. Absolutely. But it's also a benefit for us because we're learning more about what each of us does. And, and all, you know, I'm learning more about what she does and why she's doing it. And then I can bring some of that to help other parents and and vice versa, you know, so it's been wonderful over the last, it's probably about the last year that we've um, had that collaboration. Because in the past, my collaboration, my team, I considered to be body workers,
2: which mm. I
1: still, yeah, yeah. So I love. I have a great craniosacral therapist um, that I work with and refer to. She's a physical therapist who does craniosacral. A chiropractor who's wonderful and very comfortable with infants. So that that's really helpful, mm-hmm. and um, an occupational therapist who does therapeutic tummy time and infant massage. And she runs classes for moms who can't afford individual treatment. So I have a variety of people to refer to depending on the family's needs and the family's finances. Um, And of course the provider for the release, if a release is needed Mm -hmm. and um, I'm very lucky to be in Scott Siegel, Dr. Siegel's area and we refer back and forth to each other. So I I feel really blessed to have a great team. And, um, you know, if there's any other, um, if you're a new IBCLC or an IBCLC that, you know, hasn't been working with tongue tie babies, and you're just listening to this now, I would say that the most important thing to do is network and find, find your Tribe, find other people that you can at least talk to about this, and mm-hmm. collaborate with, and you know other IBCLCs. You know, I have so many people that if there's something that I can't figure out, mm-hmm. we have each other. So the team, yes, absolutely yeah. the team.
0: Well, and I love that you said that about, you know, if you can't figure it out because no matter how long you've been in practice, sometimes we get these cases and these babies and we really, we need that team approach. So we have more than one set of eyes or sometimes five sets of eyes on the same child. And we're all going, okay, here's what I see. What do you see? What do you think the next best step is? Because, you know, that's how we provide the best patient care, which is exactly what you're saying. Um, So I love that you have that team. You know, I've, I've got a team growing here and I'm kind of putting all the pieces together. And I feel like I've got one missing piece um, as far as providers go, but it's not necessary for every baby's case. So, you know, as, as far as that collaborative team goes, we pretty much have it together, which is really
1: exciting, but it's yeah. so imperative. So, so imperative. Um, yeah. I, I also think that we, you know, the, um, sometimes it's good just to um, to be able to speak to, to someone else to decompress or, sure. you know, kind of debrief from what you're feeling. Because sometimes it's really hard. I mean, I, I imagine we're going to have a lot of professionals listening to, to this that will agree. I mean, after mm-hmm. even when I worked as a nurse in labor and delivery, if mm-hmm. we had a bad birth or a hard case, or we all would get together and debrief and talk about what went on mm-hmm. and even emotionally handle it. And sometimes we have some cases that are kind of tough. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Babies, And, you know, emotionally guiding them and all that we go through. Yeah. So I have found that that part of it to be able to, of course, HIPAA compliant and with permission from the parents. We're not just mm-hmm. calling up a friend,
2: mm-hmm. it's, and,
1: you know, with permission. Can I consult my friend? And mm-hmm. it helps us to have another um, just another view and feel like we're understood or maybe an insight you know, yeah. from to someone else.
0: Yeah, you know. absolutely. I mean, there's and there's also the family dynamic that comes into play with a lot of this. You know, I just got off the phone with a pediatric uh, gastroenterologist mm-hmm. at one of the local ped hospitals mm-hmm. talking about a case. And, you know, there's just so many moving pieces and so many people involved in this kid's case. It's so many different practices. And, you know, so sometimes, like you said, it's great to talk about the case, but it's also good to kind of take a step back and go, Ooh. I mean, we've been working at this now for months with this family and the child seems to improve. And then we kind of, You know, he trickles down again and then he improves and he's trickling down again and our ultimate goal is get the baby fed and get the baby growing, you know, um, and obviously mom wants to keep up with breastfeeding and that's been her, a big struggle for her. And so there's just, there's so many emotions I think on, you know, we feel so many of those emotions as a, as a providers, but I know as much as they say, keep a boundary between you and, you know, emotionally, it's, you can't when there are these babies involved in your care. It's just, you know, it's like, I take on these babies like they're my own and I want to really make sure that we are helping them be successful in achieving mom's goals for what her, whatever her goals may be. For that case, so
1: you know, you hit on a good point. So many of us that are in fields like this are very empathetic. That's mm-hmm. why we're in these helping
2: fields, right? right? Right. So we
1: need time, and we need time for self care away from it away yes. from it. complete, away from it. We can't work twenty four seven, you know. Yeah. Um, so on the other side of my practice, my wellness practice, you know, one of my biggest uh, challenges is get women to take care of themselves. You know, mm-hmm caring for everybody else and those oh, yeah. of the help of professions are even worse and even more yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I just I actually had a conversation with a friend this morning and she's doing this amazing mother you know a practice that's for families and she has she said she hasn't stepped outside in five days. And I was like, what are you talking about? Ah, oh you gotta no. stop. You need to take a break today. You know, yeah. she's working on something amazing but yeah. you need to take a break let up
0: a few sun rays, right? <laughs> yeah
1: so that's really cool and you know what I in the team unfortunately you didn't hear me mention pediatrician unfortunately I don't mean you know there are pediatricians we know in in the field of Tom talk who get it mm-hmm. but unfortunately I'm having a challenge here with that so you know I don't want to I don't want to not mention you know a team member pediatricians OBs definitely other midwives, other Mm -hmm. nurse practitioners are on the team too, or should be, Mm -hmm. but that's my missing, my challenge piece where I am. Interesting. that's why I don't mention that. But yes, ideally the pediatrician should be referring to us. And I do have some that do refer to me, Um, but mostly I tell parents when you go back to your pediatrician and say, do you think my baby has a tongue tie? They're going to say, oh, did you see Lisa? She's crazy. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm like, I, I say, put it back to them. What's right. their plan to get your baby breastfeeding? Yeah, Yep, exactly. If they, right. If they don't agree with my evaluation, that's mm-hmm. fine. But ask them to suggest another way that you should start breastfeeding.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's tricky because while I do have, there's one pediatrician, actually a couple in this area who I think really get it obviously I live in the DC metro area where there's a ton of pediatric practices and the majority of them don't so you know if they if a family comes from one pediatrician I can't refer them out to another pediatrician No, I'm going to send them back to their pediatrician but you know really my biggest missing piece over here is the ENT finding an airway centric ENT and if you're an airway centric ENT in the DC metro area and you're listening to this reach out to me please (laughs) Because I have not been able to find you. Uh, But somebody who gets it, who works with infants, you know, and all pediatrics, really, that's, that is a big missing piece for us. Um, So, because, you know, not every baby needs that, the the ENT, but we do get some with more severe cases who really need their airway checked because airway is
1: everything. (laughs) So, yeah. And I um, even see some babies, but what I, what I do, I'm very lucky to, if I recommend, When I refer to Dr. Siegel, if I feel like this baby Mm -hmm. may be more, he can refer them to the Mm -hmm. EMT that he knows, which makes it, it's even better than it's physician to physician that gets more clout or whatever yeah 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 that's like
0: um i often refer to dr ryan who is friends with dr siegel um and dr ryan over here in maryland um he's phenomenal he sees most of our babies um that don't come to us from another referral source we refer a lot of them there and you know i agree sometimes if it's a recommendation from another medical provider sometimes they seem to take it with more (laughs) you know it's more weight but whatever i don't care how they get there as long as they get where they need to be and the baby gets the best care they need so um so let's talk about a little bit about tongue and lip tie, um, being that this is the untethered, you know, podcast. And we're yeah. talking about uh how I know you mentioned you didn't have that training. I didn't have that training really. Nobody had that training in schooling. And so we've all been seeking it post grad for you know, lack of better term. So for you, you know, I know functional diagnosis. So from an IBCLC standpoint, what are you looking for to make a functional diagnosis?
1: So what, what I'm looking for is, you know, when I see uh, a couplet, first of all, I take a, a pretty good history on what happened in the labor and birth. What was the pregnancy like? Is is this a, uh, was this a, you know, a pregnancy that was difficult to achieve? Did mom have IVF or any mm-hmm. other, you know, is there something hormonally going on? All the things, you know, mom ever had breast surgery, all the things that would risk her for having breastfeeding difficulties to come into the history? What was the birth like? What happens at the birth, you know, in the birthing room? And what's really interesting is oftentimes I'm the first person to ask the mom her story because sometimes I see moms and babies, you know, babies three, four, five days old Mm -hmm. or even up to a month old and they haven't gone back for their OB six week checkup. So this is the first time that anybody's saying, tell me, what happened mm-hmm. and how do you feel about it? So that's where the emotional thing comes in. Yeah. But those things are important because if mom had a rough labor and birth and baby's getting a bad start or a hard start, it may just be because she's too stressed or, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way, like. Right. Stress.
0: Like I hormones mean, and trying to feed your baby. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. She's exhausted. She's probably, you know, dehydrated, under nutrition.
2: You
1: know? Yeah. So uh i I do that you know take a really you know intense history then we i do an exam of um the baby and see what's going on in the mouth and sometimes i'll see if there's a if it appears to be a restriction sometimes not but i don't really let the parents i don't i show them what i see but i don't call it anything Mm -hmm. i watch the baby feed Mm -hmm. and then i you know we do a feeding exam so i weigh the baby first the baby feeds i help mommy with position um all of that goes into that so if the be, if it seems like mom has a good milk supply and the baby isn't having isn't transferring milk which means i don't see a lot of eating at the breast Mm -hmm. a lot of sucking not a lot of suck, not a lot of swallows Mm -hmm. or the baby is either you know um you know, sometimes the baby is like pulling back because they can't, they, they can't extract the milk or they just cry or they can't get on at all. Um, you know, we that will show me that something's up there. I try all my tricks okay. to get the baby to latch. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten babies to latch that don't latch. You know, people come in and they say, can we bring you home? Because <laughs> I got her, you know, if I can get the baby to latch, that's one thing. But I have to get the mom to be able to get the baby to latch, right? Right. Right. So, um, but if I can get the baby to latch then and transfer milk, then I know the baby can. So functionally, the baby is probably okay. But then it depends on what else is going on. Mm Is it hurt? Okay. What does it feel like to her? Yeah. So, what I usually, you know it's a really difficult call. And I never, even though I can diagnose because I'm a midwife, you know, most IBCLCs can't diagnose and that's a big controversy. They Mm -hmm. can assess, not diagnose. I can diagnose. But what I usually say is, unless it's an obvious, no doubt about a case, I usually say, let's talk about what tongue and lip tie is. Let's learn all about it. And in the meantime, as I'm assessing for what else is going on, if baby's got a little tightness in the shoulder, or maybe baby can't latch because he's having difficulty bending his neck back, or, you know, mom is just so engorged that the baby can't get milk out. We work on the other things. I always mm-hmm. recommend body work next, next step, if there's time, right? Mm-hmm. And getting, and and most importantly, is getting mom's milk supply to where it needs to be. So sometimes that means... Uh, underregulating it because some moms, you oh, know, right. I've seen moms who are pumping too much and have oversupply, uh, or just have a natural oversupply. And if baby can't handle that, then we're not really testing the baby's function.
2: Mm.
0: Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Baby's working, got to work hard not to drown. Right, know? right, right. I always say the baby's <laughs> drowning, can't yeah. control it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like drinking from the garden hose, or they don't <laughs> to work. Right. So sometimes there's babies that are transferring milk, but they're not
2: working at all.
0: Right, right, it's just kind of flow, yeah. pouring back down the throat and, they have,
2: yeah. Right. So and then,
0: yeah. I, so I feel like I, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for one second. I see, I feel like I get a lot of these kiddos who might have moms with oversupplies who kind of figure it out for the first three right. months and then they're right around the time that things, certain integrations start to happen and it's no longer automatic and it becomes more volitional to right. swallow and, you know, that's where we start to go, uh-oh, like things yeah. stopped working, what happened?
1: Well, and nobody that's the one in the door, Yeah that's when mom's milk supply will drop mm-hmm. so now, baby always was getting the easy milk mm. and now the easy milk isn't there. They have to work for it and they're not working for it. So you're right. Like it could three to five months is that mm-hmm. magic time. Yes. So either the baby's at birth or three to five months. No, everything was fine. And then you see them and you're like, no, it's not fine. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but the most important thing is the functional feeding exam. Yep. There is no doubt of, you know, in, in my experience and what I do for babies, if I, if I was, you know, had no, nothing else going on. If I didn't mm-hmm. get to say, take a history, if I just looked at what's going on there, that's what I base, what's even more than what I see under the tongue mm-hmm. because, time, right. Haven't you seen babies that look like almost anterior attachment Yeah, and it looks like there's no way this baby can eat and yeah. they're doing They can move well Mm -hmm. and they're moving well and Mm -hmm. they're swallowing and everything's beautiful.
0: I've had moms bring babies to me just to assess their feeding function as they were transitioning to solids because they were worried, and they said, "I've been in the tongue tie groups, or I've seen this, or my friend said that, or this professional told me this." And I'm looking under the tongue. I'm going, "Well, I see what they're saying, but your child is feeding 100% functionally, and we see no impact." So, no, I don't think you need to do anything right now. Do you want to, you know, call me back if something changes at a different milestone?
1: Sure. But right now, things are working. So, yes, function drives right. everything. I agree. No. So yeah, so what I do would I what I would do in a case like that is mm-hmm. give them a list of what to look for. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I've even said to parents at points like, Here, you know, let's work on this. Your baby may have an oral restriction. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand this is what could happen going forward. I'm not saying yeah. it is. Right. But these are the warning signs. This is the red flags to look for. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want anybody to have come to me someday their baby has, you know, a tongue tie mm-hmm. and they say, well, I went to an IBCLC and she didn't tell me that. So there's that exactly. delicate yeah. balance of not over diagnosing and not right. giving the right. information. Right. And then families do with it what they want. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had families that freak out something's wrong with my baby and run to have the release before they do anything else. Yeah. And then call me up afterwards and say, yeah. <laughs> now we need to come see you. Yeah. I just came from the office. What should I do now? I'm like, no. You're like, my schedule doesn't plan for this. We have to yeah. do this in advance. <laughs> right. And the baby's not ready then. Right. You know? right. Like yes. teach, them, teach them to do some exercises mm-hmm. ahead of time and just get them ready, get mom ready for what that experience is going to be like that day. And Perfect. I have a whole course about tongue ties, um, you know, yeah, I yeah. think I saw that and we'll put that. I think you gave me the link. So we will yeah. put that in the show notes. Yeah, so that so like parent's guide to tots. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, anyone who's my, my, um, and this is why I made the course, because instead of me saying the same thing over and over, you know, I give a little teaching, but then mm-hmm. I say, listen, here's the code to my course, go on the course and you'll have everything you need to get mm-hmm. you through, right? Like this is, and there's handouts for what to expect that, that night, um, when to call the doctor, how to find a provider. You know, so if anybody's watching that course that isn't in an area and has no idea, it's what questions to ask a provider at the the visit. Um, We talk about pain relief exercises, you know, um, there's controversy about aftercare, but I give a little bit of a little bit of information about aftercare. Um, So I tell, that's what I like to have my families have seen that before they go
2: for Mm -hmm. the procedure.
1: And, and the, so they're prepared. I work with appreciate that because they know that that their families are ready so when they run right there it's that's not so good but then the opposite where they they fall off I don't hear from them Mm -hmm. and then three months later they'll be like something's wrong you know I told you to follow
0: up, but yeah. Yeah. I've also had families where sometimes they get really quiet. They seem to fall off, and then they call me back three months later, and they're like, "Well, we've been doing the plan that you gave us, and I think we need to proceed now." And I'm like, "Oh, oh this is this is so that's also nice to have once in a while too, where I do get some of those families." So, it's, yeah. but yeah, you never really know what what they're going to take with the information and yeah. do with it, and you know, as much as we try to follow up, we can only. We say you can always lead a horse to water, you can't make a drink, right? So, you know, we can always hope for the best. And I think we do our job. We give the best information we can with the information we currently have and most up to date practices and try to prep our families as much as possible. So,
1: and meeting uh, families for their own, with their own goals. I yes. Mean, you know, absolutely. My goal, if, my goal for every family would be 100% exclusive breastfeeding. Right, right, but
0: right. That's but that's everybody's, not everybody's.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna meet them where they are. So
0: absolutely. Amazing. So I know that we talked about the evaluation of feeding um, and dysfunction. Not all breastfeeding problems are caused by lip and tongue tie. So let's go kind of beyond the lip and tongue tie. And I know you said that you you obviously might see something early on in the evaluation. And then you don't really mention anything until you've actually seen the baby feed, which is very similar to how I approach an infant or a myofunctional case it's you know, over the age of four um, or just a feeding case in the preschool years. But what just, sh- I guess, share for others that are listening, you know, what are some other major or most common issues that you see that are, I know we talked about engorgement and, you know, can you kind of just list them out again or just add anything else so that people know what, what else is there besides lip and tongue tie? Right.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, the, the easiest problems to solve, and it's often the most common, is that mom has never seen anyone breastfeed and has no idea how to hold her baby.
2: Mm. So
1: I've seen babies that look like they're being forced onto the breast in uncomfortable positions. Okay. Um, mom is holding the baby in a way that it's impossible for the baby to get a latch. Mm-hmm. So it, it's positioning of the mom so that she's <laughs> comfortable, holding the baby so the baby can latch his himself and get on the breasts and onto the nipple in a comfortable position, um, making sure they're aligned, making sure that nothing's in in between them. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, I've
1: seen moms with like tons of stuff in between them and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a gadget person and the boppy pillows and all that make me crazy. You know, that's, (laughs) I always tell people get the baby on you and then use those pillows or any pillow to support where you are, you know? Um, so I think that that's, you know, it's such a simple thing. And sometimes, um, sometimes I almost feel like, wow, that was too easy, you know, mm-hmm. because if a mom hasn't been holding the baby in a way that the baby can latch, and she's been having pain, and I fix it in the first 30 seconds, we're together. They're like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> you're a miracle worker. <laughs> and I'm like, Really? That was so easy. But we take it for granted. Those of us who have breastfed, or have been around breastfeeding families,
2: mm-hmm. or you
1: know have been doing this for many years, take it for granted that it's something that women will know how to do, and so that's it. Sounds you know a little bit like elementary, but position is everything, and I always say that.
0: Yeah. Well, me. I didn't know how to do it with my first one, and I mm-hmm. depended on those pillows. I had my pillow in the hospital. I did take a course that went over breastfeeding and how to breastfeed your baby, and all these different things. It didn't talk about tongue or lip tie. Funny enough, but it did, you know, go through all these other, you know, how to's and. Anyways. Um, so I thought I knew what I was doing and I had the nurses come in and help me when it wasn't succeeding in the hospital. Um, you know, the nurses, IBCLCs and they were wonderful, but nobody looked under the baby's tongue and she had a severe lip tie. And so for 13 months as a mom who was not, I mean, I was in the feeding specialist space, but I was not working with babies and I was not looking for tongue ties at that time. And this was just four years ago. And I, for the the 13 months following, went through painful breastfeeding because I thought that was normal. I thought everyone says, "Well, when you're a new mom, your boobs just have to get used to it." And I was like, oh, "Okay." I mean, it was. There were times where my face would grimace because it hurt so bad for her to latch on, and I was like, if "We can just get through the initial latch; we'll be okay." And I, I mean, that's not okay. So if anybody's listening to this and you're doing that, please, yeah. <laughs> please see an well, IBCLC.
1: You see, you know, um, I think I sent you the link from my book. Mm-hmm. I named my book "It Shouldn't Hurt to Nurse Your Baby." Yes, yes. And I was shouting it. I yeah. was like, you know, because everybody would come to me saying, "I know it's supposed to hurt in the beginning, but
2: I yeah,
1: know. no, it hurt." Yeah, I mean, a little tenderness. It feels a little funny. You've never had anything like that before but it shouldn't be painful, especially for 13 months. You've Oh
0: yeah. Well, when I, my second one popped out, I was like, I am not looking under her tongue for 24 hours. <laughs> I'm going to just live in this bliss of being exhausted with her for 24 hours. And then I, it was like, I don't have to look under, I can feel it. And so day five, we released her, um, with Dr. Ryan and immediately they put her to breast right after the release. And she, I was like, holy cow, I've never felt anything like this before. I couldn't even feel her on me. I could not feel her on me. I mean, it was amazing. And I was like, this is such a yeah. night and day. I
1: had mom say, I don't think the baby's breastfeeding. I can't feel it.
0: <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. And yeah. she's just now 17 months and we just, fit, like, we just stopped this past weekend because it was starting to become uncomfortable with all the teeth that she has. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it was, it was much more enjoyable to
1: go around than the first round. Well, I could tell you some stories of my kids, but <laughs> we don't have all day. But just, just as a quick aside, my my youngest, who's 17, mm-hmm. she was my best breastfeeding experience. She was born with a cleft lip. Mm. We had a cleft lip team at the hospital, at a major university hospital, and nobody looked under her tongue. Oh my gosh. She has a severe, severe yeah. tongue tie. When you
0: would think uh, midline, you know, midline defect with a cleft. Yeah. Wouldn't we look under, wouldn't we look, examine everything? No.
1: Yeah. just yeah. goes and to show. she had orthodonture, uh, you know, It was her, her, whatever, she's fine and it's all good, but now she's 17 and she knows and her teeth are shifting and we've talked about it and she's like, no way, mom, no way. So we'll see see where that goes. But yeah, but she was my best breastfeeder, even with the cleft lip. She was my best breastfeeder and it was comfortable because there was no lip tie. There was no lip to hold it. Right, 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 right. And she nursed post-op. She had the surgery three months. We put, nursed in the recovery room That's and so she cool. did amazing. Amazing. Oh, so yeah. I so almost cool. got thrown out of the hospital because I wouldn't put her down. I <laughs> <laughs> want her to scream. You know, she's closed up. You want her to scream or you want her to stay on my breast? Right. Exactly. You're like, let me hold my baby.
2: <laughs> so,
1: so getting back to other breastfeeding um, yes. problems. Yeah. Um, position. So the other part of position is, can the baby get into positions comfortably? Mm -hmm. So you hear of of moms, I'm sure you've had them, who baby will nurse well on one side but not the other. Yes. You know, we usually automatically, women think it must be something with my breasts. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's the way the baby has to position his neck to get into a position. So I always, always suggest body work, depending on the situation which worker seems to work, you know, fit for the situation or financially mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the family and where they're located and where, you know, what's easiest yep. for them. But I always recommend for everyone that. Um, and then the, the other, um, you know, problem, milk supplies, the biggest, you know, if, if mom has no milk, maybe mm-hmm. not breastfeed. Yeah. So no matter how well the tongue moves, if there's no milk there, yeah. they can't eat. So we often spend a long time, you know, building milk supply, and sometimes it's a quick fix, and sometimes we can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. some some moms just—it's rare. But if you didn't yeah. get the good start, if I'm yeah. saying that three weeks and the baby didn't nurse for the first week, and you didn't pump, or mm-hmm. the baby—here's the other thing: it looked like baby was nursing, baby wasn't gaining, mm-hmm. so baby wasn't draining any milk. Yeah, so mom's milk supply wasn't being stimulated. Right.
0: So kind of tanks. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, and my biggest, my biggest shout out about that is, um, you know, I have a blog about it. Please pump because moms are told now don't pump before three to four weeks
2: uh-huh. without
1: the caveat of, unless things are going wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So there, there are, they're around in my area anyway, and I've spoken to other IBCLCs. There was a mis message about that. Mm-hmm. So it went out, don't pump before three to four weeks, mm-hmm. but they forgot to teach them in the hospital to say, except if the baby's not nursing. Because if the baby's not nursing or the baby needs to be supplemented, you need to pump.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because my OB, the first go around, who I loved, didn't even give me the script to get my pump until like right when the baby was born. So I didn't have it at home. And all of a sudden they went, wait a second. I don't, I don't have a pump. And so I filled out the form and I remember sitting in my kitchen with my mom in tears and I was like, it hurts. I could do something. I don't want to get an infection. And so she ran to target and got me like a hand pump. Cause I didn't know how to hand express anything yet while we waited 24 hours for my pump to arrive. And you know, clearly my first one was not pulling the milk, but I knew I had to do something, but nobody had told me that I just knew, you know, my mom, you know, alert went on and I was like, I've got to figure something out. So that's so interesting. You say that. I don't know that I've personally ever been told to wait three to four weeks to use the pump. I know that I've heard that about like, you know, bottles or pacifiers, you know, anything else going in the baby's mouth. Um, but that's so interesting because I think that's, that's interesting that that's a message that that's going out to moms yeah,
1: Cause that comes from people that don't really know about breastfeeding, but have read a little bit something about okay. something about regulating your milk supply. You don't want to, uh-huh. it, you don't want to, you don't want to overstimulate, but if yeah. you know, that only, yes, that's true. If everything's going well, yeah, we, we don't need to pump.
0: Right. But, but, but if the pediatricians make you come in for weight checks, you should probably be pumping.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if the pediatrician wants you to give a supplement, of formula, well, how about we use your breast milk? Let's pump some, right? Yeah.
0: That was me the first 24 hours and three days later and five days later. And yeah, <laughs> I can resonate with that.
1: So I, I really think that, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think what other, I mean, there's a, lots of, you know, things that could be going wrong. Of course, if mom has had any surgery and, and that's an issue um, sometimes um, more with, you know, if she's had a breast reduction, that could be a problem. With breast. Okay. Hormonal mm-hmm. issues that may mm-hmm. not bring milk in. You know, if somebody has PCOS or hypothyroid Hashimoto's,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I'm fortunate because in my practice I can run blood work and test, you know, we, we balance, try to balance hormones and um, a lot of times women are coming out of pregnancy really anemic and, mm. you know, um, all the, all that we're checking and I was, you know, I'm a midwife, I used to deliver babies, what we checked was the hemoglobin and hematocrit, we don't look under the hood at the ferritin and the iron levels so there's no, oh, lot interesting of there. you have a little bit of bleeding postpartum or maybe mm-hmm. postpartum mm-hmm. and like anemic and how do mm. you know, make milk if you're anemic you know your body's just trying to pump its blood around it's not,
2: it's not yeah. working
1: so um postpartum anemia um i see a lot of b12 deficiency a lot of vitamin d deficiency and you need vitamin d to make your hormones
2: right so yeah.
1: you know everything has to be working so the the ideal you know my ideal goal is to make a mom as healthy as she can be build her up as strong as she can be and then she'll she has a better chance to make milk sometimes we're coming at it from behind the eight ball you know if she hasn't been healthy and this is her third baby and a ferritin is eight you know where it's it's hard but we can do it you know there and degrees and meeting women where they are and trying to get them as, as far as we can with milk supply and get that baby as much breast milk as possible and then um i think another big problem you know another breastfeeding um I guess I'd call it a barrier is family support or mm-hmm. mom having to go back to work very early. You know, the social concerns that are in the way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if a family's not supportive and she's trying to do something that's really hard for her and isn't going well, then it's a challenge for her. You know, and that that comes into a whole lot of you know other you know, social counseling and empowerment.
0: And- right, right, right. Yeah.
2: Not to stop.
1: No, I think, I think that it. I mean, I may get off this and say, oh, I forgot to mention whatever, but um, I, I really think that that touches on the other milk supplies.
0: Well, I think that's really helpful because I think immediately these days, everybody goes to the Facebook groups and they go, well, does your baby have a tongue tie? And right. I think that they forget to realize, even if they're meeting with other... Lactation consultants who may not be an IBCLC or who may not have an RN or who you know there's there's obviously varying levels of practitioners out there. So I think it's very important to know who you're going to, what they can help you with, Mm -hmm. Um, and to ask the question. You know, are you from? Are you tongue tie savvy? But are you also aware of other medical issues that could you know, or just you know, supply issues that could be impacting? my success. Um, if you're a parent listening and you're having this struggle so that you know who you're going to, and you're making sure that you also get the best care, which is tricky from the parent side of things, um, to really evaluate. So.
1: Yeah. And I love social media. I mean, mm-hmm.
2: I, I Oh love,
0: yeah.
1: I think it's helpful, yes. but there is a group that makes me twinge and, you know, have to, I don't know. <laughs> it's
0: tricky. You know, it's tricky because it's a blessing and a curse right it's a blessing because it really helps us you know scream out to the masses hey here's information that we think will be helpful for you but then there's always The flip side where sometimes that information gets taken for granted and flipped certain ways and people are diagnosing each other's kids and that's just a dangerous place to be. Um, So, you know, I always urge people, please figure out who the providers are in your area or ask us, find another provider if you can't find one and we will help you find somebody. I'm constantly either going, where do you live? And then I will go and ask colleagues or I'll give
1: you a resource so that you can figure out how to get yourself to the provider you need. Um, and, you know, um, one of the frustrating things for me was that, you know, on the big groups, and even we have a local New York, New Jersey group, you can't advertise. So I made this mm, great course right. that I feel like would be like half the women on that page would be if they could even watch my intro video, it right, would help right. them know what to do. My free, you know, free yeah. wouldn't cost them anything. Free the information. But I can't promote it. Mm. Right. So it's like, frustrating so i made a i made a group myself it's called breastfeeding tongue-tie babies okay so under the term, my, my page is tongue-tie experts on this side of my practice mm-hmm. and breastfeeding tongue-tie babies so what i'm trying to do and i love providers professionals to join it and and that's happening i have a nice mix of providers and parents because I feel like I have some control over what can be said, right? Yeah. So the other groups are parent-run, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. I mean, they're doing a great job. I don't want to, you know, I'm not dissing anybody, but I feel like we have to be the grown-ups in the room sometimes mm-hmm. and say, "Stop posting the picture and sending them to the doctor." Right? You know,
2: right. Let's yeah.
1: see what else is going on, or at least let p- parents know that there could be something else going on. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, so I'm like, and the group is growing. There's definitely a need and it, it's like, it's just a lot of fun. You we'll know? put that
0: in the show notes too. I just wrote it yeah. down so that I
1: can make sure I give it to everybody. So if you're listening, it's in the show notes. <laughs> and again, a lot of this, you know, I do sell some stuff, but it's not, it's mission based. I'm but not,
0: because right, you're helping a lot of people and this information right. is so needed. So that's amazing. Yeah. That is- and
1: then that's how we meet each other. Right. I mean, right, we meet right. groups. We
2: wouldn't Absolutely. be talking to them if it wasn't for those groups. Right. Right.
0: right. I said, Hey, I'm launching a podcast and we got talking. So there you have it. <laughs> um, so I think I know that the other thing, um, I wanted to talk about is so when there is going back to tongue tie, when there right. is a tongue tie or a lip tie, how it's not always the quick fix. And I know we've talked about the team approach and the other things that are needed, but can you talk a little bit more about what that means from your standpoint?
2: Absolutely.
1: So it, every once in a while (laughs) I'll get a call from a mom saying I got it done today and everything's all better. (laughs) But that's, that's the exception, not the Uh rule. And that's what I try to teach to parents. You know, it's not, it's not an on off switch. The baby's got to learn to feed. So there's definitely an adjustment period. And I feel the body work helps at that point too. Um, Spending a lot of time, like I tell parents to um, not to plan anything for the few days following the procedure doing a lot of laying around and cuddling, maybe bathing together, lots of low lights and, you know, not taking, get somebody else to take care of other kids. If that's possible, have somebody bring you meals, just rest and relax and make the days as least stressful as possible because those feedings take extra attention. Mm. And now the baby's learning something new. Mm. And I think positioning is key those few days. And um, so like I said, sometimes it's great right away. And then sometimes it falls off, you know, and then I think a lot of it has to do with comfort level. And I'm a big proponent, proponent of homeopathic remedies to help the babies adjust to that time. Cause you know, those of us who have had our own tongues released mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's very uncomfortable. And I've guided grownups through the procedure using the homeopathic, you know, combination that I recommend. So, and it does help. I know it helps. So I feel that if a baby can't, if a baby nurses, a baby can nurse with their tongue down still and not move their tongue. Mm -hmm. And it seems to parents that it doesn't hurt, right? Oh no, he was fine Mm -hmm. because he nursed. But how does the nursing feel? Does it feel any different than before? No, it feels the same. And then I look under the tongue and it's starting to, reattach because the baby's not moving his tongue oh. so i what i found is i've had less reattachment since i'm recommending the homeopathic tincture mm,
2: Interesting. so that's
1: yeah because i really think it's what i like to explain to parents is is it's like physical therapy after like an injury of your leg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or going to physical therapy you would take something before you exercise mm. right so now that tongue is a muscle, it's gonna exercise, and we're expecting the baby not to take anything. And even though it doesn't seem like baby's in pain, if they're not eating well, they're in pain. It's because yeah. they're in pain. Yeah. So that that's a, a part of it. Um I think that um babies get into different patterns after. So a baby that used to nurse all day long all of a sudden is nursing more efficiently and then Families worry, you know, no, he would only nurse for five minutes. And I'm like, yes, that's great. (laughs) And proving, doing the weighted feedings is important to proving, proving to mom that it is working.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So, yeah. And sometimes it doesn't make a difference because that wasn't the problem. Mm -hmm. So the families that I see. Very good point. They come to me afterwards and they're like, it's, you know, it's still not working. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's because you don't have any milk or I don't say it that nice. You know, I say it nice.
2: Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> That's um, going on. Here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm very gentle with families. Um, there's low milk supply, or you you don't know how to hold the baby, or the baby's got severe torticollis and the mm-hmm. baby can't turn his head to latch. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if tongue tie w- was fixed, it doesn't matter. The baby, it, it's not about just moving that tongue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The whole yep. body works, right. So, and then always, there's always the fear of reattachment or things falling back a little bit better. So, you know know what, my, my, um, a quick summary of how I, how I judge how it's going and I help parents quantify how it's going is I make a list when they come to me of what their concerns are. So is it pain? Is it, you know, whatever, um, reflux, whatever the issue are, issues are, I make a list and then when they come back post op, I go over that list and say, This is the reason we went. How's this? How's that? How's that? And we keep track of that. And I tell them, if say say it didn't hurt and now all of a sudden it hurts you, that's a warning sign that sums up. Mm-hmm. Say baby was spitting up after every feeding and now they're not. Watch and see. If he spits up again, call me. Right. So, looking at what you would do, because that's the function, right? They can, they can do their own assessment of how the function is proceeding. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been amazing. You've shared yeah. so much great
0: information. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you wanted to add?
1: As we said before, we went on. Hallie, we could talk,
0: talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are starting to realize that now that they've heard my episodes, they probably know you could talk, literally talk about this all day long.
1: <laughs> and there's so many aspects to cover, right? Oh, yes.
0: Oh, yes. Um, so as you mentioned, you've got some information that you've you've got out there. So your book, It Shouldn't Hurt to Nurse Your Baby, um, Breastfeeding Solutions for the Six Most Common Causes of Painful Nipples. So we will link to that in the show notes. And then your free video that you mentioned, How to Tell if Your Baby Has a Lip or Tongue Tie, we will also link to that in the show notes. Um, and then your tongue tie course, we will put that in the show notes as, as well, lisapalladino.net. Um, slash
1: I, nine. Nine. Yep. yep, and there's free gifts wherever you click. I have all kinds of downloads. So. Amazing! <laughs> okay. I love it. I just there's such a
0: need for this information out there, and even me as a mom who breastfed through pain once and breastfed very successfully the second time. If I, you know, had a third baby, I'm sure there'd be way more for me to learn because I'm not an IBCLC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my experience with IBCLCs was limited in my own children's care. And what I know now and who I would go to next is very probably different than past right. experiences. So right. this is all such helpful information, even for me. Um, and I hope that our listeners find it well, really and, cool. and
1: in the same way, I'm learning from you, you know, listening to your discussions yeah. and knowing where because there's families that are going to call me back with their older kids or yeah. I'm taking care of their babies and they have older kids mm-hmm. that probably had a tongue tie that was missed or may have or mm-hmm. problems or feeding problems so it's so important for us to have this dialogue and learn from each other and I really appreciate you having me on it was wonderful
0: absolutely I loved you being here today thank you so much
2: Hope you have a
1: wonderful day
2: you too bye
0: thanks Lisa Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Biz on Instagram at at Hallie And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can Also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire, for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.